I want to be your real estate resource. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Your Real Estate Resource, a show dedicated specifically to the topic of real estate. I'm Steve Ravithis with Ravithis uh, Realty, your host. And today we are fortunate enough to have Bridget Fiala from Chris Law on. Uh, Bridget began practicing in 2012 after graduating uh, from Western New England University School of Law. She is a lifelong resident of West Springfield, a former city council member, a Business West 40 Under 40 recipient, uh, wife to Andy, mom to Natalie uh, of eight months, and uh, Homer, a Springer Spaniel. Yes. Thank you very much for the introduction. You bet. You bet. We're uh, stoked to have you on and and, uh, and talk some legal uh, for all those people out there. Yeah, that, that, are exciting, looking at, that exciting world. Yeah. We're gonna, <laughs> you know, whether it's buying, selling, or investing, there's a lot of, of legal documents that are involved, and uh, we just want to try to educate the listeners out there. So, Absolutely. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. Let's just start with something basic. Do you have to have an attorney to buy or sell real estate? Short answer, yes. Okay. Um, I think anytime you enter into any sort of uh, legal transaction, you should have somebody that's going to advise you on that. Um, on a buyer side transaction, when you're buying a property, for the most part, as long as you're using a lender, getting a mortgage of any kind, you are required to have an attorney as the bank will require you to have one. Um, and on the seller side, anytime you're drafting legal documents like deeds or powers of attorney, those kinds of things, um, an attorney is required to draft those. So um, there are certain circumstances, special circumstances that don't require an attorney, but the short answer to that would absolutely be yes. Yeah. It was, it was funny. I had an agent the other day come to me and say, and, and I never want to get this text, but it says, <laughs> you know, did I screw this up? <laughs> and then the text that they sent me was followed from another agent asking them, had they prepared the deed yet? This is agent to agent. And I said, no, you haven't screwed anything <laughs> Let's up. Hope, yeah. <laughs> the agents do Let's not prepare not. the deeds. Right, right. Let's uh, hope not. Yeah. Um, so what about costs? Talk to so me about that. I think every time someone hears the word attorney, it's automatically <laughs> people get really scared about fees and stuff. Um, so the way that it works, especially with Chris Law, um, very reasonably priced. Um, but you are responsible as uh, when you are buying a pr- piece of property to pay the attorney's fees, which include the lender's uh, attorney's fees, um, which I, in Massachusetts, the way that it works, you represent both the lender and the buyer at the same time. So those fees can be combined. Um, but, and then on the seller side, the same thing, the sellers uh, will pay the seller's attorney fee. Um, when those fees are paid, which is it's different in different types of law that that are practiced, but in real estate, they're paid at the time of closing. So what happens at the very end is you, you know, we work with your lender, you get your final figures included in those closing cost figures is your fee that you would pay to the attorney. Um, and so there's nothing that you need to come with a check up front. Um, it's factored into your numbers and is uh, included into any sort of closing cost credits and those kinds of things as well. So, so you guys do pro bono work just like us yeah. agents do, right? <laughs> yes. Plenty yes. of pro bono. I'm, just here, for, I'm thing... just here for the challenges. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if we can get this to close, I, we may actually get compensated right. for right. our work. Yes. Yeah. And if it doesn't, I don't get paid. Great. Okay. <laughs> um, title insurance. I know that that's a, you know, one of the bigger fees that comes up. So how much does that cost? Should people be getting it? Yeah. So I think that's probably the most common question that I get in regard to uh, real estate purchases. So title insurance is something that is issued. uh, There's two types of policies. There's a lender policy and there's what's called an owner's policy. Uh, When you buy a piece of property and you're using a lender, the lender will always require that you have a lender's policy. Um, That is for the value of the loan that you're taking out on the property. And so the the second uh, type of policy, which is the owner's policy, protects you individually um, for the purchase price of the property for as long as you own the property, you, your heirs, anybody um, in that that chain. So um, 
Title insurance covers the certification of the title. So at the time that you buy a piece of property, the main role that the attorney plays is the title exam. So we're uh, required by statute in Massachusetts to go back over 50 years um, to make sure that the property has what's called clear marketable title. Uh, we're making sure that the people that are selling the property um, are the only people that own it. So they're conveying their 100% their ownership. And then we're making sure that that property is free of any sort of encumbrances. So um, no liens, no judgments, uh, no matters of probate that are involved uh, in the property, like uh, when people pass away or uh, people get divorced, those kinds of things create uh, title issues. So making sure that that stuff is clear. And then what happens is a title insurance company issues a certification, a policy on that title exam. Um, so it's protecting you from any future claims from anybody that uh, would be involved prior to you owning the property. Um, it's a huge hot topic now uh, in, in foreclosure world, especially. Um, there's been some some recent case law that has come up uh, that applies retroactively. Um, so title insurance is something that, that you pay at closing and you never pay it again. And it's worth every penny that you pay in the event that you ever have to use it. Um, the owner's policy is something that we highly recommend, although it's not required. I think, you know, you're kind of like required, required to tell you that you're sure. not, you don't have to have the policy. Um, but because of there's so many unknowns out there in the title world, um, and there's a lot of things that can happen after your closing that can affect things that happened before your closing, sure. um, that's th very, very highly advisable that you get it. And I mean, if the lender's got title insurance, why do I need my own title insurance? Well, because uh, for one, the policy only covers the amount that you borrowed on the property. So like, let's give an example that you're buying a property for $200,000, but you have $50,000 in capital that you're going to put down on it. So you're just getting a loan for $150,000. Well, that's all the lender cares about is the value of the loan that you're taking out with them. Um, this, And so you're, you're essentially leaving that $50,000 open. And if something was to to come up. The policy value is only for what it's for. Um, and then the second part of that would be that once you pay off that loan, hopefully 30 years or sooner, um, that policy goes away. So it's it's not there for as long as you own the property. It's only as there as long as the, the property has a lien on it or the mortgage has is in place. So once, yeah, once I've got full equity, I got to make sure. Correct. Correct. Okay. Any uh, title insurance horror stories and oh somebody my gosh. luckily, yeah. Unbelievable. Right now, one that, that's going on, there's one that was, um, which this is like, I've used this with my clients now the last couple of months because um, a, a person that I'm, I'm representing in a sale, um, they bought a piece of property, but come to find out they only bought half of it. Um, it was a foreclosure, but the foreclosure was only on half of interest. So there's half interest that belonged to, to my sellers, and then there's half an interest that belongs to an estate, um, which is now uh, over 14 years old. Um, so the potential of having those, those parties, um, you know, they could be deceased, they could be moved far away, um, to finding where that half interest is. It, it could be quite the, the project. Yeah. yeah. And the problem with title problems is that they're very tedious and they take a long time, but they're also super expensive. So for you to, for you to file a claim in land court in order to, to bring about your right to that property or, or to get rid of their interest in the property, um, takes a really long time, but it's very expensive. You got to pay somebody to do it. You got to pay somebody. So title insurance, you know, luckily my clients have title insurance. Yep. So you file a claim with the title insurance and they take over as counsel, um, and correct the issue. However, they need to do that, which would be land court or, or whatever it is that they need to do. Gotcha. So, yeah. Another one that seems to come up a lot is the difference between offers and, and a purchase and sale agreement. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So an offer to purchase, and, and here in Western Mass, we use um, what they call binding and non-binding offers. Um, I always like to make sure that like right from the beginning, the client understands that you're entering into an illegal contract, whether it's binding or it's non-binding. Those words are kind of confusing. Um, the only difference between bonding and non-binding for real is in this, in this sense is that 
the non-binding expires, right? So if we don't come to a purchase and sale agreement by X date, then this will become, you know, null and void and, and we can go find another house. Um, whereas the binding offer will then continue and become the purchase and sale should that not happen. But either way, you're entering into a legal contract that you really should um, take seriously, even though it's just an offer. Um, once the offer is accepted, the purchase and sale agreement is drafted and um, it dictates the process from the from that time until the deed is transferred. Um, so I always say it's kind of like the worst case scenario, right? It covers what happens if the if the property burns down, what happens if um, somebody passes away in the time that the property is under contract? How do I know if what if it has a leaky roof? Can I get it fixed? How long do I have to do that? Can I get a mortgage? What happens if I can't get a mortgage? So it covers everything that we can think of. Sure. Um, in a comprehensive form to move forward from that date of the uh, the signed agreement to the, the purchase and sale ending at the time that you transfer the deed. Um, both are legal documents. Both are binding you into a contract. So I would highly suggest you you talk to an attorney before you sign either of them. Um, but the purchase and sale seems to be, I guess the answer would be like more long-term, long-term. more yeah. comprehensive. Yeah. And when, uh, you know, for our Connecticut listeners out there, as we do practice in, in Connecticut as well, we go right to a purchase and sale in Connecticut. Yes. We bypass the offer stage altogether. Um, we've got some forms that we use there that we're going right to that purchase and sale. Yes. And so that's, you know, it's something that you really should take the time to, to make sure you ask questions before you sign the purchase and sale um, and make sure you fully understand what you're, what you're essentially getting yourself into um, before you sign off on something like that. All right. Next big topic is closing costs. Oh. Yeah. There's so many different things that get rolled up into that term. So yes. let me give from a legal perspective, your take on closing costs, et cetera. So. Yeah. So the majority of closing to- costs, if you're using a lender, are set through what the lender needs. So you pay at closing what the lender requires you to pay, anything that they've put up front, origination fees, those kinds of things. Um, usually your escrowing f- uh funds for your um, purchase. So those are include, you know, prepaids, escrows, those kinds of things. On my end of things, what you're paying is your uh, your title exam, your settlement fee, which is what the attorney makes off of the the sale of their purchase of the property, um, any reimbursements for me. So um, things like uh, plot plans or surveys that are required by the lender. Um, the lender requires tax certificates that come from the municipality. Um, they're called municipal lien certificates. So in Massachusetts, that's what we're required to do. So whatever it costs me to get that from the city is what I charge back to you. Um, closing costs, like I said, are included in um, all the other fees that are added in. So if there's commissions, if there's final figures, those kinds of things, your rest of your down payment, um, all of that stuff is included in that as well. How about credits on those closing costs? Yeah. So that's really popular. Um, and I, and I think it's a great idea. You know, you're using, um, essentially keeping some more money in your pocket as a buyer. Um, so the closing cost credit that you, uh, that you negotiate at the time that you enter the offer, um, those funds essentially are put towards any closing costs that you need, um, meaning that you don't bring that cash to closing. Um, and you can use closing cost credits for things like attorney's fees, your prepaids, your escrows, homeowner's insurance, all of that stuff. So they're, they're definitely, that's a great way to go if you're trying to I guess you'd say keep a little bit of money yeah. in your pocket to use towards your new your new house, you know, to buy some furniture, to do right. your kitchen over, whatever it is. You just never know what might happen. Right, right. Not to drain your whole savings account. Um, so we're, we're coming up against a break here. I want to end on the deed question. What exactly is a deed? Um, so a deed is actually what transfers the property. It's the title of the property. So it transfers the property from one person or entity into the other. Um, it's the actual... Um, title to the property in which shows ownership. So title is uh, is ownership. So um, the actual deed is drafted by an attorney and it is what um, closes and consummates the entire deal. Um, The deed is a legal document. 
documenting how who's buying the property, how much they're paying for it, and then it goes off of the legal description. So um, your meets and bounds based on a survey, based on a plan of land, um, those kinds of things are all put into the deed. It's signed uh, under uh, perjury, notarized. And recorded. Um, yeah. Pretty, then, pretty official. official. Pretty official. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, uh, there's still a ton more to, to cover here, uh, but we are coming up against the break. If uh, if people have additional legal questions um, or questions on anything that we've already uh, you know, covered here, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, so I, um, I'm i big into, I guess you'd say, emails. So emails, uh, you can get my email on the website, uh, chrislawatlantic.com, um, and my phone number at my office, 413-285-8542. Um, again, that would be two four one three two eight five eight five four two. Awesome. Again, uh, guys, Steve Ravith is here. If you have any questions uh, regarding uh, just general buy, sell, invest in real estate, our team is always available. 413-998-7466. We'll be right back after the break with Bridget. Attention Massachusetts and Connecticut homebuyers. 2019 is shaping up to be a fantastic real estate market. I'm Steve Ravithis. I run Ravithis Realty and we focus on Western Massachusetts and Northern Connecticut. We want to help you find your dream home and help you navigate the home buying process. Call us at 413-998-7466. That's 413-998-7466. Who you choose to work with matters, and we want to be your real estate resource. Are you thinking about selling a piece of real estate in the next three to six months but aren't sure where to get started? I'm Steve Ravithis. I run Ravithis Realty, and we would love to talk to you about how we can position your property to get top dollar. Our team of experts can help you make the appropriate repairs, stage the property, and make the property stand out online with professional photography and videography. Please give us a call at 413-998-7466. That's 413-998-7466 and talk to one of our listing specialists. Attention Massachusetts and Connecticut homeowners. 2019 is shaping up to be a fantastic real estate market. I'm Steve Ravithis. I run Ravithis Realty, and we focus on Western Massachusetts and Northern Connecticut. Let us help you sell and get top dollar while the market's still hot. Call us at 413-998-7466. That's 413-998-7466. Who you choose to work with matters, and we want to be your real estate resource. Are you thinking about purchasing real estate in the next three to six months, but aren't sure where to get started? I'm Steve Ravithis. I run Ravithis Realty, and we love educating people about the home buying process. We want to be your real estate resource, from helping you find the properties to aligning you with the best local lenders, inspectors, and attorneys to facilitate your transaction. Please give us a call at 413-998-7466. That's 413-998-7466, and talk to one of our buyer specialists. Welcome back to Your Real Estate Resource. I'm Steve Ravithis with Ravithis Realty, and we've got with us Bridget Fiala from Chris Law. Welcome back. Thanks. Um, so we left off with deed. Next thing I wanted to talk about was uh, mortgage, and the difference between mortgage and a note um, can be a little bit confusing. So yes, definitely a common misconception. Yeah. Um, so what happens when you buy a house with a bank is you you sign what's called, which happens in, in different aspects of things too, but um, you sign what's called a promissory note. So your con- unconditional promise that you're going to pay back the money that you were taking from them. And what they do in exchange for giving you that money is they place a lien or a mortgage on your property until you pay them their money back. So essentially what it's called is secured debt. So they secure the loan um, with the collateral, which is the property that you're buying. 
So in the event that you do not pay them um, and you're unable to pay them, their ability to get their money back is by taking the property back, which is taking the, the collateral back. So um, those, are the, those are the two differences. So the mortgage is actually what secures the note. And that's what's going to get recorded. The mortgage gets recorded. Correct. The note is just held by the, by the institution. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. So talk to us about, I know it's a little bit different than buying a car and it can be confusing for some people. So compare it to the, the car buying process. Yes. I think yeah. So I get this question a lot. People say, oh, so I have a mortgage on the property for 30 years. So that means I don't get the deed uh, to my property until I pay the mortgage off. So no, that's not essentially, that's not correct. So what happens is the deed will transfer into your name on the day that you buy the property. So um, effective that day, you own the property. It's in your name. You can mortgage it. You can sell it anything like that. Just remember that it's subject to the fact that you have a mortgage on it. So it's subject to the fact that in the event that you sell this, somebody else is going to get paid before you get any sort of proceeds from selling your house. Um, so the title is yours. You're free to do um, what you would like with it sure. um, as long as you pay back whoever you owe. <laughs> Whereas you know, on the auto loan side, you don't get that title until you pay the darn thing off. And right. Send so it you, you pay your last payment, they send a title in the mail, and then you officially have it and you can give title to, say, a used car dealership or something like that in order to transfer it. Transfer okay. it. Yeah. So let's talk about the process a little bit, right? So somebody um, brings the attorney in when and what exactly do you do once they bring you in? Yeah. So normally what happens is we will... Um, get involved after you have an accepted offer on your property. So whether you're selling it or buying it, once you have that signed offer um, is generally when the attorney gets involved. Um, once that happens, the purchase and sale gets drafted and approved. Um, so in that approval process, um, you know, I reach out to the buyer or the seller to make sure that we're all on the same page. You know, did you really agree to leave your pool table? Um, are you okay with getting a mortgage for $200,000? Whatever the questions are that I need to make sure that we're all on the same page. Um, at the same time, obviously, that's usually their first contact with me, um, which sometimes can be um, a flurry of questions because they, they, you know, they've never done this before. They're not really sure. Or it can be, you know, complete silence because they're super scared of what they're doing and they're not really sure. sure. Um, so that whole uh, feelings that go into buying a house and selling, it's, it can be very confusing. And um, so I'm essentially just let them know that I'm here. Um, if you need me, please call or email or reach out to me at any time. I mean, then as you move along in the process as buying a house, you do things like inspections and you work with your lender to get a mortgage. Um, all of those things you do and I, and I do my part in the back. So, um, uh, making sure the title is, is clean to the property, working with the lender to ensure that, um, you know, we're placing their priority first on the property and everybody's all set with, um, the title of the property. So once that comes to an end, um, is when we get closer to the closing date. Um, and then we all kind of reconvene. So you, you know, you're satisfied with your, your property. Um, you have the ability to inspect your property, um, and do your final walkthrough and make sure everything's good. And then you come and sit with me and sign your piles of paperwork. Okay. <laughs> so that, that can be a little, uh, intimidating for people. It right? can. And I think it's come a long way. I mean, I haven't been doing this, um, too, too long, but I, you know, I hear stories of people that come in and they, you know, I sat here for three hours and I, you know, I signed so much paper. Um, it is amazing in a paperless society how much paper you're going to sign. Um, but uh, it's not as bad as it seems. Um, yeah. It's something I do every day, multiple times a day. Um, I could probably say it in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so we try to get you in and out as quick as we can. Um, meanwhile, you know, making sure that we try to make it as simple as possible so you understand what it is that you're signing. Um, and then if you have any questions, obviously. You know, one of the tricky things that always seems to come up is 
Why does it take to the last second before I know how much money I need to bring to the closing? So I, know. I want to get it off of my back <laughs> so that it's not on the agents that we're not doing our job. Yes. But there's a lot that's going into getting that final number. So. Yes. So typically once you issue, the, the bank will issue what's called a clear to close, uh, meaning that you're fully approved. They don't need any other conditions from you when we're ready to roll. Uh, once that happens, then we start working with numbers. So, um, you know, putting in our numbers, putting in the bank numbers and putting in the seller's numbers, any sort of adjustments. So things like taxes, things like trash fees, uh, water and sewer, um, condo fees, those kinds of things, depending on the on the property that's being bought. And all of those things have to come together. We put it all into one document called the closing disclosure. Um, and I'm sure in other episodes of the radio show, you talk to those experts. Um, but th- that closing disclosure is, you know, the document that we're going to go off of. So we got to put it all together and figure it all out. And whatever the, you know, the bottom line washes out, to fees that you owed plus the rest of your down payment, any adjustments that are owed for the seller, um, and that final number comes together. Sometimes it's sooner than you know the twelfth hour. Often it's the twelfth hour. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just kind of when everything everything gets in and all the numbers come in. So depends. That's a scary number to get. It Some, is. Sometimes I feel like they think it was going to be a lot more, and yes. sometimes they think it was going to be yes. a lot less. And yeah, hopefully they think it was going to be more. Yeah, hopefully. A lot Maybe. of times that happens and they get they get kind of excited. They forget that they already had a down payment down. Yeah. Or, right. Or they had credit for their deposit, those kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So you guys get through the closing, uh, hand them the keys right there or their agent might have the keys and they own the property. Not quite. Okay. So um, I would say that the, the way that it works for the most part is that you will um, sign the documents with me. I will make sure that I have all the money that we need. Um, always comes down to the money. And uh, make sure that we're all set with the deed, all the documents are correct. Um, then we head to what's called, the here it's the Registry of Deeds. Uh, and so we use the Registry of Deeds um, where you actually record the transfer. So we talked about the deed and putting the deed on record. Um, recording the transfer is what officially makes it yours. So for your purpose as a buyer, you, you shouldn't have the keys until you officially own the property. Um, well, you know, I like getting that on the record. Yeah. I think sometimes the buyers can get frustrated with us as agents. Oh, for sure. You know, and hey, I just signed everything. She said we're good to go. Right. Just give me the keys. And I, you know, we've always just, and sometimes I guys. feel, yeah. And sometimes I feel bad about that because it's like, oh, so I officially own a house. And I'm, mm, well, not really. Yeah. I mean, and, and for the most part, in two hours. correct. For the most <laughs> part, it's all just a formality. But I mean, if something was to happen, like some sort of catastrophic incident or something like that, um, and you went in the house and started ripping the wall down uh, while I was driving to the, the registry of deeds and you don't own it, that's, that creates issues. And of course that lawyer hat comes on and says there's liability there and there's all of that crazy stuff. So we don't want to, we don't want to mess with that. So safe to say, don't get the keys, don't enter the property until I officially tell you that it's yours and then you can have it for your lifetime and you're good to go. Yeah. I had had one story where I'd, uh, early on in my career, I, you know, I, uh, had a a closing far away Yeah, and it was on a Friday and this is during the, you know, kind of the mortgage crisis where they were checking right up into the, you know, last hour of people making sure they were still employed. And um, so in order to avoid them making two trips and me making two trips, I said, here's the keys. You do not go into that house until, you know, you officially own this. And there was some paperwork issues. And then we, we, uh, whatever ended up happening, it didn't end up closing until Monday. So we had to go through the, the weekend or trying to close on Monday. So we had to get the keys back, Yeah, you know, and um, it, it, it was a big ordeal when something's trying to close on a Friday and then you got the... the and it happens go. sometimes, you know, there's things that are out of your control and that's why it's one of those things that you just, if you can help set the expectations from the beginning, 
you know, something like this, like this type of um, information that you pass along. So this is how it works. You know, we're not trying to, to be hard. Yeah. We're not trying to give you a hard time. You know, it's just, there's a reason for all of this stuff, whether yeah. you think it's silly or not, it's there. So. For me now. Right. And yeah, all, all absolutely. The same thing. You do not give those keys away. Absolutely. It may not close. I hate making that call, but yes. it happens. Yes. Um, declaration of Homestead. Yes. Let's huge. Huge. Uh, Massachusetts Declaration of Homestead protects your equity in your home. Um, so you place it on your property when you record your deed on your property. So it's put on at the same time. Um, essentially, from any unsecured debt, um, they can't take your house. Right. So if something happens to you. Um, an accident happens where you become, I always think of a negligence factor. Right. So you get into a car accident, you hurt somebody. Um, think of like a credit card that you didn't pay. And uh, they want to they want to sue you for the the creditor wants to sue you for the money. Um, they can sue you for lack of legal words for everything that you have, right? But they can't make you homeless. Um, they cannot uh, force a judge to force you, oh, sorry, to liquidate um, the property in order to pay them. Um, remember that things like liens, which we talked about, they can lien property. So um, you know you you didn't pay capital on the credit card for five thousand dollars and they get a judgment against you. They can place a lien on your house for five thousand dollars, and if and when you ever sell it, they're going to get that five thousand dollars before you get paid any sort of you know proceeds. But they can't take your house for that five thousand um, dollars. That's the short answer of it. <laughs> let's talk quick on just some of the restrictions, easements you know, uh, covenants that you might see that might come along with purchasing a property and some of the things that are a little bit more common. Yeah. So there's a lot of that stuff comes up. Um, a really simple example of an easement is the electrical pole that's in front of your house. Um, you know, the electric company or the telephone company at the time, they put those um, there and they take them by easement. So easements are things that run with the land, uh, a right of way of access, um, a right to use the land. Um, things like restrictive covenants, popular in newer developments. So subdivisions, things like that. Um, you know, we don't want you to have an underground, uh, above ground pool. We only want you to have an in ground. Um, don't put solar panels on your house where I can see them. Uh, make sure it's a single family. It can't be a two family. Um, so they put things on the property that run with the land that, that kind of makes the way that it's going to look. They decide, you know, the builder or the subdivider decides this is what they want the property to look like. Um, same thing with restrictions. They can put restrictions on things that you're allowed to do. Um, you know, property comes with a deed restriction that you have to live there for five years as your primary residence or those kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the easements are common. Um, yeah. Restrictive covenants are common when it comes to um, newer properties, especially. Um, so it's all, you know, all those things are looked at by us when we, we get into the into the title. Make sure that you're aware of those kinds of things. Should they adversely affect your use of the property? Those kinds of things. Yeah, there's all kinds of little quirky things. Yeah, and a lot sure. of it, not a huge deal. You know, like water right. and sewer rights and those kinds of things, you know, not really something. But, you know, an easement that says that Steve can access my property for 30 years. To um, get down to the beach. Right, right? To, to cut through my yard to go to the beach or the lake or something. Those things are definitely what comes up. So, yeah. Awesome. Important Listen, to pay attention. We're coming up against the end here. Quickly, uh, if people have additional questions for you, what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, phone, uh, email, my website, chrislawatlantic.com, uh, my phone at my office, 413-285-8542. Uh, again, the number's 413-285-8542. Um, that has my uh, voicemail, has my cell phone number on it. Um, and, and through the website, you can get my email. So any way of communication works for me. Awesome. Um, happy to help. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Guys, quickly, if you have real estate related questions, our number 413-998-7466. I'm Steve Ravithis, and I want to be your real estate resource. Hey.